0: Walk alone.
1: Thank you, Joey. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Chelsea. Hi, Chelsea. Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation. So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise that might or will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step step study tonight. Is everybody ready? If so, let's start the meditation. <laughs> God, God, let your love shine through me like a fog light so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to... those who suffer from alcoholism. I have asked Alex to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one, so it's kind of important to know what one is.
2: I am a recovered alcoholic, and my name is Alex. Spiritual Experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound altercation in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in the few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts he can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial we find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program willingness honesty and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery but these are indispensable there is a principle which is a bar higher a bar against all information which is proof against all arguments and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance that principle is contempt prior to investigation herbert spencer
1: Thank you, Alex. Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free f- tech meeting, so set your phones on airplane mode or meeting mode, or just turn them off. Um, it's now time to introduce Missy and Claude. Um, it's been a pleasure listening to Missy. Um, Marlene wasn't able to make it tonight, but we do have Claude stepping in. I'm excited to hear what they both have to say on Step 6 and Step 7. Help me welcome them.
3: Wow, thank you. Hi, family. My name is Isabel, a.k.a. Missy. Uh, I'm a recovered alcoholic. Hi, Isabel.
4: And I'm Claude, and uh, I'm an alcoholic as well.
3: Woo-hoo. OMG. It's really good to be here tonight, especially since Marlene can't make it, and Claude is here with me. Claude and I are boyfriend and girlfriend, and we've been together for three years, and we've known each other for almost 20 years since we both got sober, so it's been a long time in the making trudging the road of happy destiny. So when I knew Marlene wasn't able to make it tonight, I was like, Oh yeah, you know, it might be a good idea to invite Claude as my partner. And just to be able to share with him, like we do on a daily basis, like probably many people do with their partners or their friends. And, um, Claude and I, uh, do a lot of talking about the steps and where we are and how we feel and what happened to us. And so again, like Marlene, our paths were pretty different and, um, that will be revealed as we share. And interestingly enough, we both sit here together side by side in union. So very blessed, uh, to be able to welcome Claude with me tonight.
4: Well, it's it's an honor. And, uh, Thanks for the invitation. And uh, I haven't been on a conversation like this in a sharing step. So bear with me while I get my legs underneath me. Um, But I'm very excited about the opportunity.
3: Well, you know, usually every week I say to Marlene, Oh, hey, Marlene. And uh, so this week it's Claude. And it's like uh, when we talk about step six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character, Claude. <laughs> Where were you on this? I mean, tell, tell what your experience was.
4: Well, uh, it's it's been a while. My my sobriety date is March twenty ninth, two thousand, and um, as I look back on those days of working the steps with my sponsor, John, Uh, I'm real clear about when uh, when I I came face-to-face with Step 6. But uh, before I begin with that, let's just read a little bit because the big book doesn't spend a whole lot of words on uh, 6 and 7, so it won't take but a second. But it had to do with uh, after your fifth step, and it says pretty, pretty quickly, right after your fifth step, that wasn't exactly true in my case, but it says that you, after your fifth step, uh, you return home, you find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know Him better. Taking this book down from, the sh- from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 Steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we have omitted anything, for we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar out of sand or without sand? And if we can answer to our satisfaction, we then look at step six. We have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. Are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? Can He now take them all, every one? If we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. When ready, we say something like this, My Creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad, I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. After my step five, uh, my sponsor left me with instructions. Here he he left me with the and he said, "Take an hour, review your steps." Uh, and take and i was I watched the rest of a football game because it was on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon, but the nec- but the next day I did take a walk down the beach, and it was at, at that point where I was able to kind of took took the instructions and went back through the first five steps and it was I'd, I'd often heard that the steps build on one another, but by the time I was ready to work on step six and seven. I really knew that I was relying on steps one, two, three, four, and five. That I had spent an awful lot of time working on a relationship with a higher power, identifying what that meant to me. I had spent an awful lot of time with my sponsor working on powerlessness and unmanageability. I had spent an awful lot of time and actually taken the time to to offer myself to my higher power. I had made that decision to to continue on down the journey, and my decision was: look, what is God's will for me? Well, my, God's will for me is to finish the steps. That's how I started with my relationship with my higher power. So when I got to five, which was a really, really challenging and thorough examination with my sponsor, it took a, a, a two or three, maybe four hours to go through all the things I had written down. And what a what a relief uh, sorting all that out was, and finally getting through, sitting down with another human being and sharing with myself, God, and another human being, the exact nature of my wrongs. Life began to look a little different from me by for me by then. Then I felt I was ready to take a look at step six. And so I read this thing that's mentioned in the big book and got through it in a big hurry. And by the time I was, well, now we've completed step seven, I go, John, I'm done. <laughs> and he had other plans. And I, I, I've heard through the years that you know sometimes that's all the time some people will spend there. But it really if, uh, he turned me to the twelve and twelve, and he had me read another book, which is I don't believe it's conference approved, so I'm not going to bring that up. But we we spent some time with uh, uh, six and seven, and he gave me some exercises to do. He gave me uh, I remember uh, he he talked about the uh, the defects of character that we want to cling to, that we still hang on to. And I'm I, like the book, the 12 and 12 spends a lot of time saying that we have uh, uh, of course we see the more blatant of these defects of character, the seven deadly sins, and of course we don't want those. But the the 12 and 12 goes into some detail about some of the smaller less obvious flavors of these seven deadly sins that as I went through it I was kind of going, oh, well, yeah, I'm not sure I can live without that. You know, Self-pity? What, what am I going to do without my self-pity? If I, you know, I, so it's, we spent some time doing that, and I'll, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you in a minute, but John sent me on a quest with uh, some exercises in mind, and I didn't know what they were about when we started, but I remember him telling me to spend a week. He made me commit to a week once a day writing with the opposite hand. Mm. And I thought six and seven, what does that have to do with any of this? We're, okay, just do it. You know, a lot, of the th- he, a lot of the things he had to say were just do it and we'll talk about it later. So of course I made the commitment and I didn't realize seven days was going to be such a grueling time because a- another one that he sent me out on was to drive to like work or to the meeting and choose a different route. And not the normal fastest route where I knew the exact ray and turning left and right and exactly how long it was going to take. He sent me on a way where I would have to, it was a new experience. And what I found as I was doing those things was it brought up these defects of character that I could look at and, and I brought them up. It was kind of like you bring them up on demand. You try something new, you do some changes, and you see what happens. And f- at that point, I was able to more identify the words with the feelings. Mm. You know, I could take the, the different pieces of uh, the seven deadly sins and their, their, their flavors, their smaller little flavors, and really identify the feelings that came up with them. And then I was able. To, I was meeting with John once a week at that point, and I would able. I would sit down with John and go, "Okay, one, you know, did I do it seven days in a row? Follow through with the commitment? Well, yes, I did. At this point, I was pretty sure that John could be trusted. I'd just gone through a fifth step with him, and that I was getting results. And so I was now following instructions of my sponsor, and I was getting results. And so I stepped into this step like that, and uh, that's how. Step six occurred for me. It was, um, and then, so I'll stop with that. As I, for, as
3: well, start. OMG. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, and that's one of the things I love about talking with Claude, just what you just heard. It's so like, ah, I could just dig my teeth into it. And my experience was completely different than Claude's, which is (laughs) something that I really, really like a lot because uh, Pat's on the call, my sponsor. And I – first of all, I didn't even know that it said that, that it said – you know, put the shelf, put the book on, returning him from home where we can, we, you know, we get the book. And I was like, What, well, take this book down from the shelf. I just found that out last year when I did the step work with Mike, okay? I didn't even know that was in here, in the big book. And I had uh, been sober for 19 years, never knew that was there. And Claude, of course, knew it right away because he did it that way, which is, I I really think, a gift when people do it the big book way and learn it that way. But again, I go back to there's really no right or wrong way as long as you're being connected with God. And that's the main thing is being connected with God. And I loved how Mike opened the meeting by saying, you know, uh, the closer you are to God, the better you do on six and seven. And how do you know when somebody's connected to God, you can see by the behavior. And that's one of the things that I did know about Claude. I knew that because I was in meetings with Claude. And I said to you, as we began that Claude and I are boyfriend and girlfriend. And when boy meets girl on AA campus, it's, you know, like, whoa. And of course, 20 years ago, it's like we know who's in the room, right? We're not stupid. We know when someone likes us, right? It's like, woohoo! And Claude never did that. Claude never played that game. Never, ever did that. He used to sit on that wall and he was sitting up straight and stern. And I was like, look at him. Hard not to miss. And I remember asking one of the girls, you know, oh my goodness, that's your sober brother? And she was like, yeah, he's not playing like that, Isabel. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I remember being really impressed by that, that Claude was doing what Claude needed to do to watch his behavior. So I knew that right away. And then, of course, when I got reacquainted with him three years ago, it was the very first thing I said to him Did you stay sober? All these years, because we were just soon approaching 20 years. And he said, Yeah, I did. How about you? I said, Yes, I did too. And so when I look at the beginning of this step in the 12 and says, This is the step that separates the men from the women. Oh, I mean the men from the boys.
5: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: So, drumroll, please, because we know what happens in AA, right? When boy meets girl on AA campus. And my situation was very different than Claude's because I would not have said that I was entirely ready. I held on to character defects. And thank God my sponsor's here, Pat, because she kept telling me to go back to step six. Go read it, Isabel. Read it, Isabel. Read it. That's, I felt like that's all I ever heard, Pat. You know, I think you need to read step six. Uh, what? <laughs> what are you trying to tell me, lady? Um, that I need at work that I needed to start looking, paying attention to the character defects that were glaring up. And it's like, we don't have to drink over it, but we can certainly still be cray-cray. And that's, that's something to really look out for, especially when you start sponsoring women, men, and you're taking them through the book and you're saying, you know, that connection to God, good orderly direction, I want good orderly direction, I still want good orderly direction paying attention to that. And so now I can say I'm obviously entirely ready, but did it take me 20 years? Um, I wouldn't say that, but it definitely took a long time to start acknowledging that I had these character defects. Maybe I wasn't crystal clear because remember I've said all along that it's easy for me to say I don't understand something when I don't want to do it. When I don't want to do it, it's like, oh, what? Uh, ego, what ego, you know, and Claude and I talked about that earlier about the ego comes through the door before we get there. And it's like, and I was used to having everything my way. My background is I I'm in first place. I want to be a rock star. I am a rock star. It's like, whoa, what's that? And that's ego. That's ego presenting itself to the world. And, I've had to really be mindful of that as a woman in AA, that that's not who I want to be. I have to shed a lot of stuff. Um, You know, how do you get first? Try being last. Try being last in line. Um, And it's practicing things that you don't really want to practice, like Claude was saying. You know, take a different route. Write with your left hand. I think my daughter-in-law, Val, is here. So I write with my left hand every morning. (laughs) We were taking tennis lessons and the tennis pro said, are you left-handed? And I went, well, sometimes every morning I (laughs) write. So the kids got a big kick out of me saying that, but I practice that and I have to practice this. It's like, um, practicing with God, you know, I think there's something with brother Lawrence about, you know, making a practice of being with God, God is everywhere. So God is in this step. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And one of the big things I noticed that when I went to God, God was extremely helpful. Like I said, to Claude, um, I came in, I was a smoker as well i'd like to smoke big time i was i had one in the ashtray and i had another one in my lips i was const i was one of those people i was smoking i was smoking big time always smoking and um when i finally wanted to give up cigarettes it was like oh god you know can you help me with this and i stopped smoking cigarettes but i went to god i asked god to help me specifically And I remember it was New Year's and I called and I said, called the the 1-800-Hotline, Stop Smoking Now in New Jersey. And they said, well, are you taking any patches? It looks like I'm all patched up, but I'm a diabetic. And so are you going to take any patches? Are you going to take any pills? Are you going to chew any gum? I said, no, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to try the 12 steps. They said, okay, we're going to call you every week to see how you do. I said, okay. And I never picked up another cigarette. But guess what I did do? Yep. I picked up vaping like three years ago. I was with, I don't know if mayor's on this call, but I was with all the Philly girls and they were vaping. And I said, I'll try that. And boy, I put that vape. I took one puff off a of vape. I was with Dr. Susie. We walked right into a vape store. We were down by the parrot. I said, I'll buy two. <laughs> right? Typical alcohol. The guy looked at me, he said, Oh, that has nicotine in it. I said, I don't care. I went right back like that, like that. And I had to go back to God and say, Oh my God, I need your help again. Cause I started vaping. Like I never stopped smoking. And I was on Facebook at the time. Thank God I'm off social media. Can you imagine me drunk on social media? I was like, I put that on there. I went back to vaping and people were commenting left and right. Don't do that. Don't do that. And I feel like when we are entirely ready and we go to God, God produces results. God gives us what we ask for. I'm a firm believer in in that. My thoughts when I go to God and say, God, help me. God has helped me each and every time. And I know that I'm not perfect. Claude and I were talking about not because I can't even think of Claude as a drinker. I look at Claude and go, I can't even picture you drinking, Claude. You don't look like a drinker to me. But you know Marlene, right? Everybody knows Marlene. Marlene comes here. I was telling Claude when Marlene and I saw Claude three years ago, he showed up. I got sober with him at Victory, but then we went to ESW in the morning and he showed up and... I see Marlene writing it to me. She goes, did you see Claude? I go, you know Claude? She goes, yeah, I know Claude. And I was like, oh my God, Claude. She said, Isabel, he's a real alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? She goes, I drank with that guy. <laughs> Manny and I were drinking. I was like, oh, She pulled out a picture of Claude quicker than I could say the name Claude. Claude's getting beat red right now, but she remembered. <laughs> she remembered that he was a real alcoholic. Nice guy, but he's an alcoholic. I said, okay, thanks, Mar. And, you know, here here we sit today. And it's like, wow, what makes something crazy like this work? God. I really believe God is entirely ready. Because the other way to look at it is, you know how I like to flip the script on things. We're entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. So then when I think about it, it's like God's working on us, God's chiseling us, God's smoothing us out, God's making nice, nice with us, right? Little by slowly, slowly by little. And it's like saying, we're entirely ready to, to have God give us everything. And I love that because that's how I feel. I feel like God has gifted us greatly through these steps And I loved your lead, Claude, about take the book down from the shelf and review. You know, how honest are we to this day? Not when we just started, because there's people out there in Zoom land starting. And it's like, okay, we got honest. We surrendered.
4: Well, the 12 and 12 talks about everything you've just mentioned um, when it says that, alcoholics are really quick to give credit to God for removing the obsession to drink alcohol. Uh, But all the other things we're reluctant to turn over to God so that He can remove them from us. Um, And as we get into seven, it becomes, we we come to the realization that there's a lot of the stuff that we can't get rid of without the help of a higher power. And so it's kind of working that program, uh, working on these uh, defects of character that we've identified, uh, practicing something different. And Mike was talking before the meeting about how close we are, depending on how close you are to your higher power, will indicate how close you are to letting, being willing to let some of these defects of character go. And uh, it was, it was interesting to me... To learn in step six that there were things that, you know, if you caught me at the right time, I was ready to let them go. But if you caught me at the time when it really mattered, I wasn't going to be letting them go. I was going to be hanging on to them. And uh, this process really helped me get in touch with those things that I was really, really holding on to. And and change, driving a different way, writing with a different hand. The changes. Bring it up like that. Isabel and I are working on a. We're working in the kitchen together on some things, and we're not used to doing that. It's a new routine for us, and we're bumping elbows and and uh, my style of cooking is different. Her style is different. Clean, you know, cleaning up, but we're the refrigerator is not done right, and I, you know, all those things are flaring up, and I'm having to remember that uh, that I talked to my sponsor before this call, and he reminded me that step seven is all about humility, and. Uh, that, that we are moving back into the world, that there, there's a place in the book, I don't know if I'll be able to find it, where it talks about uh, step six and seven is where we're actually in a position where we are stepping back into the world. We are ready to engage on a, in the world from new footing. And I found that to be very, very true. By the time I'm working step six and seven, I've, I've sorted things out in step four, I've, uh, I've come in touch with them in, in five, and now I'm ready to, I'm preparing for eight and nine, but I am now ready to start engaging. And my sponsor would send me out on these these things where he wanted me to go out and find some, some good things to do in the world mm. and not tell anybody about them. He said to, to do it, he didn't even want me to tell him about it. Uh, and so uh, that I took, I give, that, I give those assignments to my sponsees as well. Find something to do that you can do that's going to make the world a better place or help someone without them knowing it and don't tell anybody about it. Yeah. And see how that feels. And see, you know, the first time, I, I don't even want to say that I did these things, but the, when I tried I wanted to tell people. I wanted to, I wanted to I wanted a trumpet horn to kind of lead the way with look at me, and it's not about that. This this stuff is about uh, walking the earth with your with your palms out, saying you know what can I give to this situation, and uh, it it really starts to if I'm if we're it really starts to feel like I'm re-engaged in the world once I've mm. started to do that. So yeah
3: that was awesome, Claude. Just hearing you, especially in regards to the humility, because I do you know I live with you, so I do experience the humility with Claude, which is awesome, and it's nice being around uh people who have humility because that is not one of my better things, and it's you know' uh, just being honest that you know you're
4: very, you're very humble
3: but i want the credit so that's the problem right and i want the credit like where's the credit right pat and you know i went to a lot of crazy meetings and claude and i certainly got sober at victory but stagecoach was another one and there's a guy named joe Riley, pat knows him and was someone, he always says put it in front of anger what do you get danger and, boom. and he would always he would always say um i brought the donuts this morning man, it was like everybody knew Joe bought the donuts. (laughs) I was like, I Joe good. And he was a bookie on the side, all kinds of crazy stuff. But, you know, that that's one of the biggest gifts is, you know, doing something without anyone know that you're doing it. They don't need to know what we're doing. That's the big thing that I love. And learning how to be in that grace, you know, not having to tell everybody what you're doing. Just do it um, without expecting any kind of accolades. Attaboy, good job. Um,
4: and it, step seven, pardon me, step seven in the 12 and 12, if you, well, we're not going to read it tonight, but uh, pull the book down off the shelf and read what it says in step seven. And it, it does talk about the, the humility and doing hum- humble things. For humble's sake, for humility's sake, and um, and it's it's worth a try. It's worth looking at. It's worth thinking about. It's worth taking a couple of shots at, because it it does reveal so much about the difference between my selfish self <clears throat> and the effort that it takes for me to step into the world without expecting something in return. It, it's it was a very foreign uh, foreign experience for me. Uh, but it really is the the other side of the, of the curtain.
3: Well, yeah, the humility. Uh, if you're not humble, it wants to mask itself. Selfishness likes to mask itself with all kinds of things, mm-hmm. and it talks a lot about that. It in in the twelve and twelve, you know, humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. It's like, oh yeah, I, I remember this is how I did step seven. I told Claude earlier, I love these mugs, the chop, chop, you know, alcoholics and God mugs. But when I first got sober, I bought mugs off of, I don't know, it wasn't amazon.com, but wherever I got them, one side had the third step prayer and the other side had the seventh step prayer. So for me, I was doing the seventh step prayer because I was constantly saying, my creator, I give all of myself to you, please remove my shortcomings. And it was like an ongoing process. But the humility, as I was saying to to Claude earlier, I didn't really know what humility was. I was baffled by the word. It, again, was a 50-cent word to me. It was like, what's humility? And, and, And people at the meeting would say what humility was. This was before Google, before they could Google it up. They would say humility, and they maybe would quote from the book, or they would uh, reference things, you know, we're not doormats, and they would have little expressions about what the word meant, and I could, again, never understand, and remember what I said about not understanding things, because I don't want to do it, because I don't want to do it, and that applies to humility, too, what, hey, I just donated, hey, I just, hey, I just did, hey, I just put together, hey, 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 and it was like, whoa. I didn't understand because I didn't want to do it. And I didn't know that. I think denial runs so deep in people like us. So we just pretend we don't know. And now I do know. And when you know better, you can do better. And I found out that all these things about, you know, character defects of who we are, you know, the seven deadly and always wanting more. And that step six is a great measuring tool for us about how we're really doing, because we can assess our behavior. Am I still acting in the same way? And it's like, whoa, am I still acting? You you know you're still acting in the same way when you still feel the pain the same way. And then when you get to that humbly asking God, like, please, God, when do I stop acting like this? When do I stop doing this? And you start to feel the ease and comfort and the serenity and the peace of mind. It starts to make sense that, wow. And there's all kinds. What is the definition, the live definition out of the book, Claude, for uh, humility? I don't know. Well, you said it earlier. Um, but one of the best definitions is of myself, I am nothing. The Father doeth the work.
4: Well, here's what it, at the end of step seven in the 12 and 12, it says the seventh step is where we make the change in our attitude, which permits us with humility as our guide to move out from ourselves towards others and toward God.
3: So move out from ourselves toward others and toward God.
4: And for me, the definition for humility is right-sized. Mm. I do not want to get too big. I do not want to be too small because I can wallow in, in that just as easily as I can flying up there with the eagles. To be right-sized is a constant exercise for me. to And that's why we spend so much time with inventory. For me, that's how that's why I spend so much time with inventory. It's why I call my sponsor. I want to stay right sized. I wanna to talk to you in the morning over a cup of coffee to see how we feel, to see how we're getting along. There's a good gauge, there's a good give and take. How am I how am I interacting with my world? There are days when it doesn't work out so well. And it doesn't take much for that for me to get tripped up. And it will dominoes. The dominoes will start falling if I'm not careful, if I'm not able to take a moment, catch my breath, recenter myself and and usually there's an amends involved there's a, I got to admit that I've done something as quickly as I can muster up the the courage and the humility to do so and and move on and and I came to AA without those tools, without the equipment, without the awareness and uh for that, for these things, for these steps, for these principles, I am forever grateful, and I'm I, to carry that message to people uh, is is the second half of the game because we learn so much from working with our sponsees that that uh, we're learning as much by by carrying the message as we were by receiving the message. Mm. So that to me is a miracle. There's so many miracles that happen in this practice. To bring us into a world where where we are communicating, where we are sharing, where we are all equal. And these opportunities are all available to all of us. Mm. I just find that fascinating.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah, I love communing and connecting on all of this. And on so many levels because it does have to do with character building. It does have to do with building character through God's grace. And... It also reminds us that the chief activator of our defects is self-centered fear. My fear thinks you're going to get something that I want. My fear thinks that you're going to take it away from me. And I have to be so so uh, cognizant of when those things happen because they put me off balance. And I can be derailed in a New York minute, when, especially when I start comparing myself And I think it's so important to discuss and to share. And I remember, you know, it's so funny when I first was dating Claude and I I don't know what I did, but I said something to somebody at the meeting. I said, oh, this is my boyfriend, Claude. And my brother was there and he said, Missy, don't show your hand. And I go, what? What did I do? He goes, uh, uh, why would you say that? And I go, he's my boyfriend. He goes, don't show your hand. And I was like, I didn't get that. But now I get that people don't want you to reveal the real deal. And it's like, well, he's my boyfriend. I'm not going to lie about it. I don't have anything to hide. You know, I'm I'm not married. And he's like, yeah, but you shouldn't tell him that. And I was like, Jimmy, you know what? I'm not playing this game. That's I'm, what it
4: was. I, I was. I, I didn't know you were considering me your boyfriend. I think that's what he was saying.
3: Oh, okay. So you didn't know you were my boyfriend?
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, so that's a problem, man. <laughs> no,
6: it wasn't. I was very happy.
3: But Liz also said that. So it is funny how people respond to the way we are with other people and what we say and what we reveal. And it's like, I don't want to hide and I don't want to pretend anymore. I want to be who I am. I want to be my authentic self. And that sometimes isn't as beautiful as the outside package as I think I'd like it to be. And I have to have the humility to keep sharing and communing with Claude in that way in relationship so that we can stay right-sized together. Because I think that's a beautiful definition of who we try to be with each other and with others, right-sized. Um, Ann Smith, Dr. Bob's wife. I remember there's a story, and I don't know where the story comes from either. I don't, I don't think it's in the big book, But wherever, I'm sure Mike has heard it and maybe some of you have heard it about her, them going to a dinner. And um, Dr. Bob said, oh, Ann, you know, are you going to wear your new dress? And she said, no, I'm not going to wear that tonight. And he was like, well, why? I I bought that. That's her gift. And she said, yeah, I don't want other people to feel like they don't have a new dress to wear. And I really love that, you know, about who we are when we're with other people, um, you know, so that we can connect and commune. It's like, you know, I know that I enjoy nice things and I have to be so mindful of that, you know, that I I don't, I don't want to outshine. And it's like, yeah, but aren't you supposed to do that? And it's like, no, not really. Not if you want to come from a state of grace, you know, not if you want the behavior to change, I have to be so mindful of that, Um, and it, it says so many things when we read and we learn about, you know, in relation to to other people and talking about other people and gossiping and saying, Oh, what does he say it is? It's character assassination barbed with whatever it is. However, the statement goes, we want to
4: feel superior,
3: right? Basically we want to feel superior. I'm better than him. Look, look, he's a jerk. Look, look what they did. Look, 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 look look at them, not at me. And so we deflect and just all those little things. I remember hearing one time, uh, like if somebody's not in the room, just don't say anything. And usually when I'm at the meeting, um, on this call here, and we talked about it earlier today too, that, you know, I, I work with, uh, predominantly women, but, uh, I did just have a a man asked me to sponsor him, a young man that we all know, and I love him. But uh, I, I work with women, and sometimes they don't want to do the work. They say they want this, but they don't do it. And they go on their own path. And you don't see them, you don't hear from them, and there's nothing you really could do. And I, I often wish I had a magic wand. Like, if I could give you my sobriety, I would give it to you. But I can't do that. And, you know, I got the call today that this girl passed away. And I was like, wow, I sponsored her 15 years ago. And, you know, she had a great job at the FAA right outside of Atlantic City. I mean, if you work at the FAA, that's like a nice job. You're comfortable. Um, And two small children, the the little guys used to come to the meeting. They were adorable. And she started to call me again. And say, hey, Isabel, I just wanted to let you know I'm in rehab. And I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, I found out the whole when girl meets boy on AA campus story. And I was like, and she married that guy. And, man, the, the, the stuff that alcohol got her into was like, she was like the all-American girl. I mean, to look at her. And I was so inspired by this woman. When I was in my 40s, I remember because she was a runner and she had a tiny little thing, tiny little thing. And she did that that goofy race in Walt Disney World. If anybody races, she did three marathons in three days. It was like, where are you getting all that piss and vinegar? Where are you getting all that power? Where are you getting all that pep? I mean, that girl could not put down a drink. She could run a race. She could run 26 miles, but she could not put down a drink for all the tea in China. And that's why I love that what we have here is a gift, a gift from God that we share with each other, humbly, 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 humbly. And it's a blessing to receive it. Uh, It's a real blessing to get this gift. I don't ever want to give it back, not for one second, not for one sip of alcohol. So... You know, we come before you tonight um, with six and seven, combining the truth of both of them to be willing to entirely ready to give God all of who we are. And it goes back to that statement of emptying out, emptying out to fill up with God. Good orderly direction. Group of drunks. Gift of desperation. Great outdoors. Whatever it takes for you to meet God and be with God, be one with God. So, it's serious. I think it's serious stuff to me. It's life or death.
4: It certainly is. And uh, I was really sorry to hear people are people are dying tonight. People are dying of this disease tonight, and uh, I can never forget that. I can never forget that.
3: I went to, you know, where Claude and I got sober victory. It's a crazy group. Stagecoach was a crazy group. Uh, Bernard was a crazy guy that I got sober with. But he would say at the end of every meeting, tonight somebody's going to jump out of the window. Tonight somebody's going to kill themselves. Tonight somebody's not going to make it. Behind a drink. And I know it seems weird, but I just saw my friend do it. Christy. And God bless Christy. God bless Christy. She didn't get the whole cake. She didn't get the whole pie, but she did get a slice because she did come to Good Morning Ocean City. So she got a slice of this, but I, I want the whole pie. I want the whole enchilada. I want God to be in all of that. It. And it's remembering to go to God to say, God, help me. And, you know, we're so blessed to be in each other's lives, to live with each other and to commune with God. And Claude and I have practices. This is a practice practicing God in our lives means hitting our knees and asking God, you know, on a daily basis, praying together, sharing we pray. It's not like we're faking this. It's like, we got to do it. Like, come on God in the morning. First thing it's like going to God, God first. If we keep God first, we can stay in this. And this is the the whole benefit of it is those relationships that we love that we're in harmony with to say, wow. Um, I also love about step seven when we were reading, um, humbly asking God to remove our shortcomings, that it, it tells us real clear that this humility is all of it. Humility is all of these steps. Humility is everything. Without humility, we have nothing. Because you can't really surrender without being humble, right? Because nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to say, oh, I'm an alcoholic. Um, they don't want it. Nobody wants to do it. And that's the one thing that we have to do perfectly.
4: Some things are true, whether I want them to be or not. And uh, that was one of those, one of those lessons that came that really turned the corner for me is I, I kept fighting and playing with this alcoholic thing and and acting like it wasn't there and <clears throat> trying all, I tried all the things that the book says with I did geographicals I did you know I got divorced I got rid of my wife I, whatever it was that was causing my problems it was alcohol was my solution it wasn't my problem and some things are true whether I want them to be or not and I finally had to come to that to terms with that with that truth and the 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 truth once the truth begins it's hard to it's hard to deny the truth once once the truth starts making itself known then then everything else becomes clear this big book i was not relating to until i was able to to see through to the powerlessness once i saw the powerlessness i could see everything that bill wilson and the the group of 100 was trying to to say, because I could then say that 's me, yes that 's me, and so then I could begin to work with the solution, and one of the things I, that you as you were describing, uh, reminded me that one of the most powerful things that comes out of our discussion is that in in the twelve and twelve in step four, when it talks about our basic instincts mm. and it talks about the safety and security of it, of our instincts talks about our social instincts and our sex instinct. Then it talks about the threats to those instincts and it talks about the hundreds of different flavors I have of reacting to those threats. Those thre- those reactions are my defects of character because I want more or I'm afraid I'm going to lose something and, and that alone is worth that, that allows me to work a little better. If I can remember instincts and threats and my reactions to those instincts, I can work better with how to be right-sized with it. If I know what's happening, if I, if I can stop long enough to look at why I'm so upset about something, I can usually trace it back to an instinct, I can usually trace it back to a threat to an instinct, and I can usually come to some kind of right-sized reaction to it. That allows me to be a little bit more of a, of a, of a, loving human being rather mm. than a tyrant who's gonna whoever can scream the loudest is gonna win, or whoever's gonna have the most in his pockets is gonna win. I can I can be a, a I can be a man among men. I can mm. be a friend among friends. I can be an alcoholic among alcoholics, and and uh, and that's the truth.
3: the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you God. That's right. Uh, You know, it's interesting. We hear people's stories. They tell their stories. And uh, I always loved lady L's story, La Fatima about when she was in court and what happened and, you know, the masks that we wear and, you know, I love Claude, but I love how he got here and why he stays here. And it was because of the humiliation so will you share a little bit with us about what happened when you got that second DUI and then you had to humbly come back here and talk with Bob? And you said to Bob, Bob.
4: All right. Um, I By the time, let's let me, in 1998, I went to my first AA meeting and I got a year and a half of sobriety and I got it through Treatment facility, uh, meetings every day, uh, work in the steps, and I, I did the best I could. I, I thought I had sobriety. I thought I wanted sobriety. I, I did. I, I used to be able to go into meetings and talk a pretty good game. I could talk, tell you about the steps. I could. I could tell you everything I'd read, and I was pretty much working without a sponsor. I'm reading from the book, and I'm talking from the book, and I'm. I'm working the steps myself and not telling anybody that I'm working the steps myself i didn't I didn't need that um, so needless to say, a year and a half later I'm still working on step four and uh, I pick up a drink and I end up back in jail and I end up having to leave my job and I end up coming back into my second uh, treatment center here in fort lauderdale and I'm still dancing with this program still doing my I was very, very smart, to, for lack of a better word, and uh, sure enough, I'm still drinking, and I'm still I'm starting to realize that I'm going around in a circle, and I'm about to get kicked out of my out out of the treatment center. You drink in the treatment center, guess what? They're gonna they're gonna take your bed. You're gonna go, but I'd been around long enough to know that I could go in to, and talk to the guy who's running the show. And I, he, I, I was going to say, Bob, whatever you need me to do, I'll do. I want you to tell me what I need to do in order to to be here to keep my bed. And I knew what he was going to say. I don't know if anybody comes through the treatment world, but you know, you're going to go get a sponsor. You're going to go work, go to 90 meetings in 90 days, and you're going to work the steps. And I'm ready. I'm going, okay, one, two, three. Yeah, I'll do it. So I go to Bob, and I say, Bob, I was, I was drunk. And, uh, you know, I really want to stay. I really, I really feel bad about this. I'll do anything. You tell me what you want me to do. And I'm ready to hear it. One, two, three. And he goes, I want you to stop
5: drinking.
4: <laughs> what God? I didn't know what to say, right? Uh, oh, I, I don't know if I can do that. And it was, there it was. For me, it was, the 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 penny dropped. And I don't know if I can st- stay stopped. And then powerless became real. And from that, the next day, or maybe it was even that day, I went to Victory, and I asked John to be my sponsor, who was up there celebrating 10 years. And John was kind of a tough military. Oh. He had a military air about him. He was not... I don't know who, what made me approach John, but he took me on, and I told him, I told him what step I was on. I was, John, listen, I want you to be my sponsor, but I'm on step four. <laughs> that wasn't going to work, right? So he told me, he told me that here's my phone number. Call me tonight, and that pissed me off. Pardon the language, and I, you know, uh, what? And I, but I. I did know that something had happened, and that I wasn't going to be able to do it my way. My way wasn't working anymore, and something made me pick up that phone and call him that night. And we began, and I began taking some direction. And it took some time to build that trust, and it took some some work on my part. It took some work on his part, but that's how it begins. We none of us likes to admit complete defeat. Uh, you know, the book says it all, and, and I started to. I started to trust the book. I started to trust the sponsor. I started to trust people in the meetings. And that's how, it's, that's how it started for me.
3: Well, I love that story because I've gotten so much out of it because I'm in relationship with Claude. So thank God he was able to do that. And the other part of it is you're, you know, coming from a big corporate world because the smarter we are, the harder we fall. And you heard him mention that. I'm a smart guy. He's a smart man. And it's like, whoa, to go from the big corporate world to working, because, you know, I I wanted to know, well, you know, we want to know what people do, right? What does Claude do? He works at the library. I'm like, the library? (laughs) And that's where Claude ended up, the library. What a good place for an alcoholic. What a good place for an alcoholic to be, you know, in a job that nobody wants. I'm not working there. I I'm I'm, I want more money than that. We all want to start at the top. It's like, uh, it just shows, you know, who we are when we are willing to start at the bottom.
4: We get what we need. We don't always get what we want, but we get what we need.
3: Yeah. So, uh, Claude, I'm so glad you did this with me tonight.
4: Well, thank you for asking me. Uh, I, it's always... It's always recovery when we do these things. When we, when we get to talk about the steps, it's, it's a, it's a gift and it's an honor. So thank you.
3: Yeah, it it is an honor to be able to do this, and I cannot thank you, Mike, for staying with me all these years and teaching me so much, and all the people in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I feel like. We get so much out of it when we give back to others and it's like passing the torch so that other people can do the same thing. All this is, is like saying here, you can take this, you can read, you can hear, you can listen, go do this. And really faith without works is dead. So I'm glad I'm not dead. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad we're all alive, we're all present, we're all aware, giving back to God. So, thank you, God and AA. Amen.
1: Um, Help me thank Missy and Claude again. And it is now time for Joey to do the Secretary's report.
7: Hi, guys. My name is Joey Two Hats, and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary.
0: Hey, Joey Two Hats.
7: Thank you, Claude and Isabel. That was great. Um, all right. In keeping with the seven Tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are going around in here. Um, but please uh, never forget AA.org, AA Broward, or your local intergroup website, has the ability to give online to this amazing program that has given us so much. So please do that um, in the Zoom slash Facebook world. Thank you. Um, At this time, I've asked someone to read the steps. And And that's Chris, an honored friend and recovered alcoholic himself. Thank you.
2: Recovered alcoholic? Recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered but not cured? That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in the body. Page 23. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered.
7: Thank you, Chris. Excuse me. 1940-style big book sponsorship from the forward of the second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe and experience is that God has not changed over time and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75-plus percent success rate. At this time, I am asking a show of hands of all you recovered alcoholics here in the room and in Zoom. Hey, all right. Um, And now, um, anyone that needs a sponsor, please put your hands up in the Zoom, Facebook world. And all you recovered alcoholics, please uh, reach out to them and help get these uh, help get these folks back to God. Excuse me. Over. You don't have to. I can do it. It's an opportunity.
4: Good evening. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name's Mike Chase. This is an honor because
8: uh, I know Joey before, and I know Joey this time. To see the man that he's been able to come to, uh,
4: to see the man that he was before he allowed God to start working miracles in his life is, is truly an honor to walk the path with Joey. And he, we've got a cake and cupcakes. That's the main reason I'm trying to get this over and done with. But um, the, the honor that I have to walk with this man is, is true. And Joey, congratulations on one year. You're a gooder, you're a gooder man because of it.
5: Thank you, my much. Wow.
7: Thank you, everyone. See, we oh wow! <laughs> My sponsee got that. He's a good man, Alex. Yes. Um, thank you. And uh, thanks to these rooms, Mike Chase for taking me back and uh, helping me get back to God. And
4: yeah, how'd you do that?
7: That's a great question, Mike Chase. Thank you. Um, well, the first it was, it was it was a humbling thing, you know, coming back to so the program I kind of swore off. I said I don't need to rely on his. you know, that's why my thinking was getting out there. I don't need God or an institution to be okay in life, but I do. And uh but the first, you know, the first thing is just surrendering and that was difficult, but uh you know, Mike Chase knows this deal. It's it's in the book and we just w- walk through it again and um yeah. It's pretty amazing how, you know, despite me still, yeah, on and on and on and on. Joey, hey, just uh, just read the book, go get a sponsee, get a spiritual experience, get a sponsee, do it over again, forget about it, it's done. Easy. All right. Thank you. Yeah, it's easy as that. All right. Thank you. Please join us Monday nights, Big Book Study Meeting, where the Big Book comes alive. Fellowship is at 6.30 uh, in the Zoom room. Big Book Study Meeting starts at 7.15. There are CDs, mugs, large print, Big Books, Little Red Books, and Big Book Dictionaries for sale. At your local intergroup, uh, pop over there, say what's up to them, and pick up some stuff. Uh, we meet every Thursday, starting promptly at 7.15 um, in this meeting with uh, Fellowship again at 6.30. With a nice slideshow, and we ask to be courteous in to begin at the sound of the bells. Thank you. See you next week. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Joey, and congratulations. Um, Announce we have tonight's sessions and all the past speaker podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. <laughs> I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night big book study and um, let's close with the Lord's prayer. (laughs) Our Father. Our Father, who who art in heaven,
0: hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread
4: and forgive us our
7: trespasses
4: as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us
7: not temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever
1: and ever. Amen. God bless. See you bless. all
6: Come on. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye.
9: You're